0: Welcome to the Anthem Church Podcast. Our desire is to transform lives through authentic experiences with God and with people. This message is brought to you from Anthem Church in Fairview, Oregon. We pray you are encouraged, inspired, and strengthened through the teaching and preaching of God's Word. All right. Well, what a great day it is. Amen? And uh, what a great subject we got today to talk about. And uh, we're going to uh, just continue this uh, series on uh, giving some answers uh, for uh, questions that we all want to know uh, and all need to know. What does God say about things, right? So today we're going to talk about what God says about love, sex, and marriage. And, and the whole premise of this series was to be able to, you know, g- get truth, Get truth to first of all to our world that is really seeking for truth and in all of us uh, there 's an inner craving to know truth uh, that 's what i 've been uh, sharing for the last few weeks and Jesus really acknowledged that when he said in john eight thirty two you can know the truth and the truth will set you free so or you will shall know the truth and the truth will set you free freedom 's a pretty cool thing you know when you 're free from you know the 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 cultural mindsets and the the infiltration of uh, of the the lies and the misrepresentation of things you know it allows us to to walk in a freedom a clarity you're you're free from confusion and and also when you know truth it gives you a strong foundation whenever you're facing confusing times and and going through difficult circumstances. So truth has the power to, to ri- raise us up to a level of, of, of uh, security and strength that nothing else does. Secondly, in this series, we really wanted to, to talk about these things because the Bible says in 1 Peter 3.15 that w- we as believers ought to have an answer for those that are asking these questions. So the Bible says, Give, have be ready with an answer for the hope that lies within. So, I think it's really important for us to have these answers for us. So, today, Let's talk a little bit about love, sex, and marriage. And, and, and let me tell you, that is a huge, you know, those, these are three monster subjects. So uh, I really thought I, I have to stay, you know, I have to whittle this down and stay uh, uh, with the one that I think there's the most misconceptions uh, arise from, and that is from sex, okay? So we're going to have a sex talk in church today, all right? So... <laughs> Now, I, can, I, I, I couldn't help but feel a few people just tightening up in this place, right? Uh, so, like, come on, Pastor Brad, is, is this the place we should talk about sex? Well, you know, the truth is, you know, many feel that sex should only be looked at as, uh, you know, or, or as an individual's private concern, right? Uh, that, uh, to the effect that there's no one else's opinion counts, just, you know, the, their own individuals, right? basically get out of my business, right? <laughs> and of course, Pastor Vasily said it last week, you know, the, 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 word, uh, the most uh, popular Bible verse for this generation, don't judge, right? Matthew 7, 1. So everyone should be feel, the, feel free to think and do whatever they want, right? Well, there's a big problem with that. And let me just give you what I think is the big problem with that, and that's that none of us ever live or die to ourselves. Come on, right? Whatever we think or do always has a direct or indirect effect on those around us. So, uh, and it affects others. So, but perhaps uh, I think the, the biggest problem with this theory of, you know, stay away or don't talk about it is, is it simply, it, it fails to recognize, I think, the most important thing. And that is this, that none of us created our own sexuality. And if we don't talk about it in church, then you know, and then continue this discussion in our homes, then what it does is it leaves it leaves this subject to the to those that might be want to indoctrinate with a different philosophy, with different ideas, with different uh, with other thinking rather than the Bible's thinking. Come on, somebody give me an amen out there. Are, are you all okay here? Come on, just shake yourself a little bit. Say, whew, I'm okay, I'm okay. You look at your neighbor say, you're gonna be okay. You're gonna get through this. You really are, okay, all right. So I, I wanted to start with, by talking about a, a, a few common misconceptions about God's view uh, on sex. And here's the first one, and I think we hit it right off, off the bat, is that uh, sex is not to be talked about in church, right? Uh, and how did we get there as a church? How did we get there as a church historically? I think in in most churches... Uh, the only focus when it comes to sex is that it's on the negative aspects of it, on, on what, sexual, what is sexually immoral. And, and, and the truth is if, only, if all you hear about is the immorality of sexual immorality and the, the bad things about it and the importance of staying away from those things, then what do you end up doing? You end up concluding that it's all bad, right? Check out this verse in uh, Ephesians 5, 3. It says, but among you there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or, any, or of any kind of impurity or of greed because these are improper for God's holy people, all right? Well, that's a great verse, but it's a perfect example of why people stay away from this conversation in church. And, uh, and I, I think that any functioning biblical community that there's a responsibility within the community not to try and control people's uh, sexuality, but instead, I think it's our, it's a responsibility and we should feel that, that as a church, we need to first educate God's people as to his intention, right? That he's got a good plan. Secondly, to bring healing and renewal to those who have been affected by the thoughts and actions that are inconsistent with God's plan. Come on, let me say, Amen. Because there's been a lot of abuse, a lot of pain, and a lot of things that have been caused by um, by uh, the by the uh, effects of of the wrong plan and I think in the church it's important to model healthy relationships as God intended I mean the world truly is looking for something better and if we can if we can present that praise God that's what they're going to be they're hungry for and then lastly I think it's the church' responsibility to really lovingly direct people to follow bis- biblical wisdom so sex needs to be talked about in church and uh, and so that's what we're doing amen it's not wrong it's very much included in so many uh, scriptures in the Bible. Here's a second misconception, uh, is that, that God thinks that sex is somehow dirty or carnal, right, and here's the craziness with that. I mean, this statement totally ignores the fact that God created sex, you know, and it was created by him before sin entered the human race. I mean, just read Genesis 2 and, and 3. So it, it's clean and holy in the sight of God when, hear me now, it is kept free from sin, selfishness, and from lust, okay? In Genesis 2:24 and 25, it says, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked, and they were not ashamed. Here's the third misconception, and I think this is a big one, uh, of God's view of sex. And it's simply that sex is for reproduction only, right? Now, I want you to look at two Bible verses here and see what you think. Uh, This is the Bible, God's Word, right? Proverbs 5, 18 and 19. Let your fountain be blessed and enjoy the wife of your youth. Like a loving deer, a beautiful doe, let her breast satisfy you at all times. Be constantly intoxicated by her love. Uh, Ecclesiastes 9, 9. Live happily with the woman you love through all the meaningless days of life that God has given you under the sun. The wife God gives you is your reward for all your earthly toil. Now listen, does any of that sound like sex should not be enjoyed? Anywhere in there? No, has isn't. So um, it's, is it getting warm in here? Or is it? Yeah, yeah? come on. Eh, eh, <laughs> I thought something, you know, I was looking at that first verse, right? In Proverbs, let your fountain be blessed. You know, let me, can I just say, if, you, if you've ever changed a diaper, you know what they're talking about there. All right, because occasionally the fountain goes off, right? And uh, you better be watch out. I mean, I've never called it a fountain, okay? Basically, you know, maybe a wee wee or a schmeckle or something, but never a fountain, right? <laughs> Come on, you, you need to laugh a little bit with me, all right? We'll get through this. Okay. So the Bible supports the, the view that sex is to be enjoyed whether it's, whether conception takes place or not. I mean, you can read the entire book of Song of Solomon illustrates this in chapter four, and chapter seven. So y'all tracking with me? Okay, so let's move on, which you're saying, please, Pastor Brad, move on. <laughs> okay. Now, we know that this culture has a mindset, right? A mindset about sex that has led to abuse and a lot of hurt okay but that at the same time it, even though this the, the mentality has led to these things it's still the culture is still not shy about pushing its ideas on everyone and i thought about some areas that i think are really dangerous here's a, here's a couple dangerous cultural ideas about sex. The first one is simply this, and I think it's the biggest one. It's simply this, don't trust God's plan. Isn't that what our culture is saying? Don't trust, don't trust what those Christians are telling you. Don't trust what that Bible has to say. That's that, you know, don't listen to anything that God says. And this idea goes all the way back to the beginning, right? The first man and the woman are created, Adam and Eve. They're living in a beautiful world created and that our spiritual enemy, the devil, shows up and, try, and convinces Adam and Eve that God is somehow holding out on them, that there is something that, that, that God is, is cheating them out of the best. He lies to them into believing that God didn't have their best interests in mind. And see, that's what the culture today wants people to believe. They want you to believe that God's, you, you know, God's holding out on, on you. And if you if you'd only listen to what he says, you're going to miss out on something that, that is, that it, that's better, okay? Was he right? No, he wasn't. It was a lie, right? And the consequence was sin, death. And so I think it's so important that we understand that, you know, that the enemy is still lying in that way, saying, hey, don't listen to what God says. And so, you know, uh, God has our best interests in mind. And uh, when the enemy came, he said, you, don't, you, you deserve to have fun, right? Enjoy life. Have all the sex you want. You deserve it. Here's the truth. Study after study proves the negative results of this kind of mentality. Not trusting God's plan when it comes to sex has a a, a ton of consequences. Let me just list a few. Number one, it hinders the development of the non-physical aspects of relationship before and after the marriage. It just does, it hinders that. Here's the the statement it makes. It makes a statement that's not true, and that statement is that there is a commitment when there is no commitment, when that commitment doesn't really exist, okay? Not trusting God's plan uh, has produced uh, incredible tension and guilt between the genders. And, and it's only God's plan, I believe, that, that really guards against the manipulation and selfish motivation that happens in an ungodly relationship. So when we don't trust what God wants, we're setting ourselves, what God says, we're setting ourselves up for disappointment and pain. I think that not trusting God's plan can lead to idolatry in your life, right? And and here's how it leads to idolatry. How many? And you don't have to raise your hand. Please don't. How many had a this mental image of who you're going to marry, uh, and and you had this you know this you know Barbie doll mentality or this Ken doll mentality of the man or woman that you're going to marry. And the truth is that that that's a lie. But you set that up as an idol in your own mind and and worshipped it long before. And so you compared everybody that you met to that idol you worshiped in your mind, see? That's wrong, it's ungodly. And it, uh, and it leads to all kinds of things that are, are, uh, uh, that are destructive. Uh, not trusting God's plan produces that spiritual, mental, and emotional bondage. And do you know, do you know that the most common uh, connected issue That is that they've associated with sex outside of marriage is depression. It's the number one thing that they have connected that depression is caused by 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 sexual sex you know having sexual relationships outside of marriage. Interesting, isn't that? Because here's here's the thing: we live in the depression capital of the world. It's epidem- Depression is epidemic in our youth culture. And I wonder if it's the result of all the encouragement that teens and preteens are getting from, from, uh, from different places to engage in sexual practices and experiment with that, right? Come on. Say amen or oh me. We've got reason to you know, be able And it's important for us, I think, to be able to answer these questions, to talk about these things, because... We need it to be able to give an answer for the hope that lies within us. Come on, amen? This is a serious subject. These, these are just the beginning of lists. I mean, not trusting God's plan can lead to abortion, disease, death, and the emotional trauma that each one of those brings. Now, can God, does God bring healing? Thank you, Jesus. Amen? Uh, and, and we'll get to that. And there, uh, so here's my question. Why would you want to add any of these challenges into a relationship that is already has its challenges on its own. Come on, are you with me? Um, How about this cultural idea that sex is a biological drive equal to hunger and thirst? This is not true. This is not true. It's not something that is just biological and irrepressible. The truth is the level of desire can and must be controlled because listen the sexual dimension is not like a rampaging steam engine that needs some kind of safety valve to let off steam right periodically i mean and that's what sex is not that sex is in marriage is is meant to be an ongoing celebration of the relationship not just a periodic safety valve it's all about self-control folks and uh which is by the way one of the fruits of the spirit come on amen So the Holy Spirit needs to control this area of your life too. Romans 6, 12 says, therefore do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. For sin shall no longer be your master. Amen. Because you're not under the law, but under Grace. Here's the final cultural law about sex, that experiment with your sexuality. It's all good, right? Proverbs 16, 25 says, there's a way that appears to be right, but in the end, it leads to death. You know, there's a reason that God's plan confines sex to marriage rather than to anyone and everyone, okay? Because sexuality has a potential for good or evil, depending on... The motivation, depending on the expression and timing. And let me give you just some points on this. Here's some positive reasons for confining sex in marriage, to marriage. It's, that's, first of all, it's consistent with God's purpose and his word. And, and I think that's something to remember when we look at that word, that we're to meditate on it day and night and be careful to obey all that's written in it. Listen. When God says that it's to be confined to to uh, sex and marriage, that's in harmony with His design and His word. It raises the value of the sexual oneness to its highest potential. And like I said before, God uh, in, in, intended for marriage to be a celebration, uh, or for sexual uh, the relationship to be a celebration of your oneness. It represents, here it is, it represents the permanent, exclusive, and unqualified commitment of marriage. And uh, commitment's a good thing. It produces freedom instead of tension between the genders. It, it, it bases enjoyment on commitment. It makes intercourse the language of oneness. It permits sex to be the frosting on a relationship rather than the foundation. Come on, amen. It strengthens the relationship. When you confine sex to marriage, it best prepares you to for for real sharing with a person that you love. Amen. And I just think the world's abuse of sex should not be allowed to destroy our confidence in its positive value. And that's why, you know, I think Christians should be as much for the right use of sex than as they are opposed to its abuse. Come on, somebody say amen there. And here's what I call God's better idea, and then we won't have to, we'll wait till next year to deal with this again, okay? (laughs) Here's God's better idea. Let's read this in 1 Corinthians 6. It says, uh, from the Message Bible, there's more to sex than mere skin on skin. Sex is as much spiritual mystery as physical fact. As written in scripture, the two become one. Since we want to become spiritually one with the master, we must not pursue the kind of sex that avoids commitment and intimacy, leaving us more lonely than ever. The kind of sex that can never become one. This, there is a sense in which sexual sins are different from all others. Can I, can I stop right there? Do you know, over and over in the, in the First Testament, in the, the Bible, it says that we need to know the Lord. That word is a word yada, yada. And the word yada in the Hebrew means this kind of intimacy. It it is like Adam knew yada, Eve, and the result was Cain was born, okay? And that's the same word that God says that we should know, press on to know the Lord. It's yada, the Lord. It's have that intimacy with God, not at a weird, sexual way and that, see when we get when when it becomes that then we've got a messed up mindset when it comes to the sexual relationship and the oneness and we have to re reset that in our mind because yada to know the lord should have you, you know it should be have there, there when we yada uh, our our spouse should have that same kind of desire for unity and oneness. Amen? So let me go on. So it says uh, this is the kind of relationship that God wants us to have with one another. Uh, There's in this, let me go back to this. There is a sense in which sexual sins are different from all others. In sexual sin, we violate the sacredness of our own bodies. These bodies that were made for God-given and God-modeled love for becoming one with one another? Or didn't you realize that your body is a sacred place, the place of the Holy Spirit? Don't you see that you you can't live however you please, squandering what God paid such a high price for? The physical part of you is not some piece of property belonging to the spiritual part of you. God owns the whole works. So let people see God in and through your body. Let's remember here, one, Sex was God's idea and it was his gift to mankind. Amen. Marriage Hebrews 13:4 Marriage should be honored by all. The marriage bed kept pure for God will judge the adulterer. And all the sexually immoral. I mean, I love this verse because it's such a great summary of God's plan for marriage. Marriage is honorable. That simply means that marriage is to be esteemed as the highest form of human relationship. That within its context, we model all the godly virtues. Amen? The marriage bed keep, kept pure. It means that it confines the, in, in the confines of marriage, the bed is a clean and a holy place. Amen? It makes it a place of, of, of special delight, of refreshment, of comfort, of strength, of renewing, of communion, of nurture. You know, that's impossible outside of marriage, okay? The adulterer, goes on and says, the adulterer and sexually immoral means that it's possible to abuse and to misuse this God-given, the God-given joy of sex. And the marriage bed must be kept pure. And what it means is that what he's saying here, that it needs to be guarded. And that it needs to be preserved from all unfaithfulness and from selfish abuse. Come on, somebody say amen. God will judge. It means simply that God's watching. You thought the curtains were closed. Nope. God's watching. God will judge. It means simply that marital sex is a, such an important issue to God that, he, that he's not gonna allow misuse to go unchecked, amen? God isn't trying to spoil our fun or you know, he's trying to give us an amaze, the amazing joy of an unspoiled gift. So, so, so you should realize right now that secondly, God's plan is marriage is, on, is the only context for healthy God-blessed sex. It's within marriage, amen? First Corinthians 7, first, it's a good thing to have sexual, or first, is it a good thing to have sexual relations? Certainly, but only within a certain context. It's good for a man to have a wife and for a woman to have a husband. Sexual drives are strong, but marriage is strong enough to contain them and provide for a balanced and fulfilling sexual life in a world of sexual disorder, amen? Uh, the marriage bed must be a place of mutuality. The husband seeking to satisfy his wife, the wife seeking to satisfy her husband. It's not a place, marriage is not a place where you stand up for your rights. Marriage is a decision to serve the other, whether in bed or out. And so, you know, although the world and culture suggests sex outside of marriage is really beneficial to marriage, it just doesn't work that way, come on. Not in the real world. Uh, the carnage is everywhere. You don't have to look very far. We have to accept God's plan, amen? It's the best plan. And I think equally important is that we have to avoid the fallacy of of laying too much emphasis on the physical factors in marriage, okay? And and I think that's what people get into, you know? Are we gonna be compatible, right? Listen, here's what you need to recognize. Premarital sex hinders dealing with the non-physical demands of a marriage. It really does. I tell everyone that I that I counsel when it comes to marriage, and, and most of the time the troubles of a marriage can be traced back to the roots of a marriage. Because if in the root of a of a relationship it started in the physical realm, it you know the physical realm It started there because each person wanted to satisfy desires that they had. And so that's what selfishness is called. And so people try to to satisfy their own selfish needs, their own selfish wants, their own selfish desires, and what happens? It puts a root in the relationship, that being selfishness. And then that manifests all through the relationship because that's where the foundation is. But God is a God of healer. Let me tell you, that's uh, the great thing is that there is a way that we can change all of that and, and turn it all around. God is so good. Jeffrey, can you come on up? Here's the truth. I, I, I really believe this is the truth. And this is the things you need to share with your kids, with your grandkids, that the more sexually naive and inexperienced you are coming into a marriage bed, the more eventual reliable and mutual emotion mutual emotional and physical satisfaction there will be it's not the other way around the world says you need to have some experience before you get there no you don't you need to come into a relationship with a naivety that says we're gonna grow we're gonna learn we're gonna we're gonna become one and develop that relationship and that brings and the only way to get there is through abstinence right it's the best way to prepare prepare you for real sharing with a real person because here's what it does it proves that you're trustworthy and whether you you, you know if you if you if you you know gone down a road and failed once twice three or four times listen that's okay starting today we're all starting new God's mercies are new every morning, right? So we get a new start today. Today is the day, amen? Today is the day that this area of our lives is saved, turned around, set free, amen? Because I believe God can start today with your world, wherever you are, and begin to build you, build the future that is gonna be God-honoring. Real love, God love, the cut love, the God kind of love that really should exist between a a husband and a wife, it's the kind of love that gives itself up for the other person. It gives its wants up, its desires, its needs. It says, I'm gonna say no to my passions, no to what I want, no to what my physical body tells me that I need. I'm gonna say no to all that so that I can protect the other person's holiness their walk with God, their personal integrity. I think that's the truest evidence of real love and deep love. You know, and I, I think sex is really only enjoyed in its fullest when there, when there is a true, publicly acknowledged, permanent commitment made. Are you hearing me? Come on. So, you know, I think there's a lot of things that, you know, people say, well, you know, I, we can, we're married before the eyes of God. <laughs> Public marriage is essential because I think it prote- there's a protection for people involved. It really protects us from the, from the uh, insecurity of a fickle partner, right? It protects society from relating to those people as singles. It protects their offspring from the problems of insecurity and abandonment. I think all this has got good wisdom, amen? And uh, and finally, I think that we need to remember that God's book, this Bible, Amen. How many times have we read a scripture today regarding the, the, the sexual, you know, our sexual world and life? How many? And we, I haven't even scratched the surface of all that God's book says. So, sexual wisdom and understanding has its roots in knowing God, yada, God, and His instruction manual. I love this verse in 2 Samuel 22-21, uh, as for God and his way, it's perfect. The Lord's word is flawless. He shields all who take refuge in him. <laughs> Come on, What a great thing God's given us. I hope this answers a few questions. I hope it stirs you to dig into God's word. I hope that it gives you some wisdom for those that are going to ask questions hope you will go into some uncomfortable conversations with your spouse, with your children, with your grandkids and be able to just with a smile say, hey, God's plan is a better plan. And open the word of God, share it with them, encourage them because in the end, I promise you, you will give them an advantage in life that they never could ever believe possible. Amen. Thank you for joining us. We are located at 1415 Northeast 223rd Avenue in Fairview, Oregon. You can find us online at www.anthemfamily.org and on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at My Anthem Family. God bless.